host, and we have the first Saturday of the month, the opportunity to always connect with the Eastside Freedom Library. So, as you know, our Connections Radio Show is all about exploring a wide range of topics that are about looking at ourselves, looking at our community, and looking at the world around us that gets us connected. And I like the way that the Eastside Freedom Library gets us connected. And we have our co-host today, Peter Reckliff, who is also the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. Good morning, Lori, and good morning to everyone out there listening. Good morning, Peter. And we need to do a big thank you to Brunson's Pub. Absolutely, and and we're so pleased and honored that Brunson's has just been given an award uh, as a model employer of workers with disabilities. And Brunson's just continues to show us about what a great community the East Side can be. And it's all about inclusion there. Absolutely, from the kind of food that's on the menu to the staff that's working there uh, to the people who are having meetings there, uh, Brunson's is a vibrant part of the east side. So I want to encourage everyone out there to go to 956 Payne Avenue. When you go there, you can also get a discounted gift card if you either mention AM 950 or you mention the Eastside Freedom Library. Holidays are coming up, so it's a great time to be getting a gift card. And a big thank you for their support in sponsoring our show. So it's the first of the month, and November is jam-packed for you guys. Jam-packed. Lots of good stuff. Lots of great stuff. Tell me first about the Eastside First Housing Summit. Yeah, so this is really uh, the culmination of a relationship that began in this studio. Uh, when, I just, this big old smile. Yeah, when, when, when ABC Realty, a small African, African American owned realty company on the East Side, uh, and, uh, the East Side Freedom Library sat down together, uh, defined as an initial focus the challenge of the gap in home ownership between people of white backgrounds and people of color um and the generations of those challenges oh yeah the deep deep roots of those Mm -hmm. challenges and um it led us to have a large community discussion to have a focused program on the labor movement and the quest for housing justice uh then to have a three film series Two of the films produced by TPT2, the local public television station, um, and then more discussions after the films. And and the increased complexity of how we saw the challenges of housing justice. So people came to us and said, well, we're not only interested in becoming homeowners. We're concerned about the challenges that renters face. We're concerned about the challenge of homelessness. Um, We're concerned about the ways that housing insecurity impacts young people. Um, and, And one of the threads that ties it all together is the power of systemic racism in shaping the way people engage with housing um, as a resource and as a, as a place, hopefully, of security. And so as we went forward with this project, really from March of, of 2018 until this, this fall, um, we began to aggregate more partners and collaborators in the process. So now we have TPT2 as a partner. We have Dayton's Bluff Housing, Neighborhood Housing Services. We have the Home Ownership Center. Um, we have the Community Stabilization Project. Um, I, I hesitate to make a list because I'm going to leave somebody okay. off and, and be embarrassed that I forgot them. But many, many organizations have been at the table. Oh, and the most interesting kind of glue uh, holding the process together has been cookie cart. And and not only as a source of great cookies, um, but also as a source of great volunteers of young people who are working at cookie cart and have been helping us by flyering the neighborhood and, and helping to build our events. So we decided it's time to hold an East Side Housing Summit to bring everybody together to continue to collect stories, but also to try to focus on certain themes in in those stories. Um, I think our longer-term goal is to create an agenda of uh, what we would like to see for public policy 
and private behavior, behavior by banks, behavior by real estate companies, you know, what, what can we see to bring justice into the housing arena on the east side? And then maybe someday, not too far down the road, to see an organization emerge which is committed to furthering that agenda. And advocating. And advocating yeah. with city government, county government, state government, ad, you know, advocating with the banks and, and other institutions. With what the, will it take? With the assumption that there's been policy that's been developed. From the grassroots. From the grassroots Absolutely. and emerged up. And I'm very proud of how democratic and, and how ground up this process has really been. So help me make sure I understand yeah. this correctly. So the summit, there'll be a sharing of stories. Right. We're, that, that's we're, the first level. Just tell us your story. Right. And, and, and we're going to ask people to, um, to sort out. Mm-hmm. By um, people who are concerned with home ownership, mm-hmm. people who are concerned with homelessness, people who are concerned with tenants' rights, um, and people who are concerned with the power of racism and and what we can do about it. And, and we're going to themes right. get teased out, right? And we're going to yeah. include time for people to move around Good. at least once okay. um, if they're they they don't want to be pigeonholed into mm-hmm. a single category. Mm-hmm. And then there will be facilitators who will be gathering Mm -hmm. themes out of the stories and we will all report back to a general session Um, we have a wonderful artist activist Leon Wong who's worked with a number of social movements here in the Twin Cities who's really going to help us create representations of the stories and the themes and and we hope that that's going to lay a foundation for deciding how we're going to be able to to move forward. It, it's been particularly challenging to maintain this kind of ground-up democratic process because the people who have been in it need to see some outcomes, mm-hmm. and the people who are new to it need to feel like they're welcome to come in, maybe raise some of the same questions that have already been raised, mm-hmm. but we want to continue to fold people in. So... To remain democratic, but also move towards outcomes, um, all while being a grassroots organization. It's very exciting and challenging at the same time. I have this vision of folks that are learning to swim while you've got some, you know, champion swimmers there that and a goal to be met. A- absolutely. That's yeah. a great metaphor for it. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and how to pull that all together so everyone right. feels a part of it. And right. That, that we're, you're moving in a direction that can have... Uh, some impact. Yes. And I think everyone's hungry for impact. Yes. But it's also yeah. a pretty wide uh, scope. Um, and, and addressing that uh, is important. I love right. the idea of eventually coming up with, here's some recommendations that are coming from the community. So it's not top down that tries to solve problems for a community. Right. The community has, these are the things that are important to us and how do we take the right. next step? We're very proud at the Eastside Freedom Library to be a place where people are willing to have difficult conversations and even willing to be uncomfortable. I mean, that's a heck of a pitch to mm-hmm. come on in and be uncomfortable, <laughs> right? And, and, and in come fact... Come on in, the water's fine. We're right. all going to be a little uncomfortable, but it's going to be fine. Right. And, <laughs> and it's so great to yes. see people who do, who are willing to place themselves in a position of discomfort mm-hmm. and to listen to their neighbors and to share their own stories with each other. It's very inspiring uh, to see. And and it's interesting to think about that in juxtaposition um, with the event that we're going to have this very afternoon on Saturday, uh, that in which two scholars who are talking about how our society got into this political morass that that we're so deeply in. Um, Elaine May, who's been a longtime American Studies and History professor at the U, Scott Laterman, who was actually a student of Elaine's and is now a professor at University of Minnesota Duluth and president of the faculty union there. And they have both recently written books using historical lenses to help us understand 
You know, how did we get to the point this week where impeachment is on the front page of the newspapers? And, um, and, and for us at the Eastside Freedom Library, how are we a place where we can nurture grassroots discussion that is looking for solutions and also engage critical thinking that helps us analyze how we've gotten into the political mess that we're in? These look like fascinating uh, books, a great discussion for this afternoon. Um, Elaine May, her book is Fortress America, How We Embraced Fear and Abandoned Democracy. Scott Lederman, Lederman um, his book is on um, – where is the title of his book here? Well, his latest book is about the the concept of the silent majority. Yeah, I've seen and, that. And uh, yeah. you know how that and it echoes and, and through how, the right. efforts to understand the white working class and this concept of how did we end up with make America great again? Here it is. the uh, The book title is Silent Majority. Silent Majority. Yeah, yeah. Vietnam War from cultural as well as political perspectives. Um, and he looks at the speech of Richard Nixon in November 3rd of 1969. Right. It's, it's the f- tomorrow will be the 50th anniversary of that speech wow. that, that gave birth to the concept silent majority. Mm-hmm. And, and there, we're not a silent majority at the East Side Freedom Library. Thank goodness. Yes. Thank goodness. Yes. But it is interesting to be able to see not how history necessarily repeats itself, but it certainly does rhyme. It does rhyme, and, yeah. And there's yeah. a lot to learn yeah. um, from remembering how things uh, have evolved to this point yep. and where we are today. Yep. It's always fascinating to hear about the good things happening at the Eastside Freedom Library. Next segment, we've got a great guest coming up. We do. Brian Jong with his new book, A Clan of Our Own about the experiences coming out by gay men in the Hmong community. In the Hmong community. And he also is a publisher. So we'll hear about his book and his publishing. Fascinating stuff. So stay with us. Uh, Don't go away. We're having a great conversation, and we want you to stay with us here on Connections Radio Show on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The Payne-Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the East Side their home. More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Marijuana legalization might not mean a lot to you professionally, but it may to your clients and employees, bankers and investors, property owners and landlords. Minnesota Lawyer has got your back with the CanCon Business Symposium on Wednesday, November 6th at the Depot, Minneapolis. Denver-based researcher, the Marijuana Policy Group, will present data on the economic impact legislation has had in Colorado and how that might translate to Minnesota. You'll hear from professionals in other states that legalized marijuana about what's at stake for you. Human resources professionals can learn about the effects on employees and how the hiring process could change. Attorneys will learn how to protect their clients. Commercial real estate brokers and agents will hear about investment opportunities from an expert panel. Speakers include Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry, Speaker of the House Ryan Winkler, and Senators Melissa Franzen, Jeff Hayden, and Scott Jensen, as well as several Minnesota business leaders. Learn strategies that work at the CanCon Business Symposium on Wednesday, November 6th at the Depot, Minneapolis. Register now at CanConMN.com. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuchke, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake. 
Tom Hartman here for All Energy Solar. One of the myths about solar is that you save more if you wait, but waiting to switch can actually cost you more. While tax rebates make solar affordable, those rebates are often limited and decrease over time. So when you wait, you risk losing some of the incentives that make solar so easy to afford today. And besides, the sooner you get your All Energy Solar system, the sooner you reduce or even eliminate that high electricity bill. Make the switch today at allenergysolar.com. Welcome to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our show is all about exploring a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us talking, get us imagining, get us connected, and perhaps gaining a wider perspective. It's the first Saturday in November. And the first Saturdays are always with the Eastside Freedom Library. We always look forward to those first Saturdays of the month. And my co-host during the first Saturdays is the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. And that's Peter Ratcliffe. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Lori. And welcome to everyone out there listening. Yeah. Well, we've been having a great time talking about all kinds of good things that are happening at the Eastside Freedom Library. And I'm excited that this segment that we're going to be talking more uh, with Brian Zhang. Brian is a longtime friend and uh, supporter and collaborator with the Eastside Freedom Library, and we've been excited over the last five years uh, to see Brian uh, emerge into the publishing world with Hmong Educational Resources and to become an author in his own right, having just published his first book, and I emphasize first, I'm sure there will be more, uh, a a, a clan of our own. So it's great to have Brian here with us. Welcome, Brian. Oh, thank you. I understand that you're a Hmong professor, and you're also the first Hmong doctoral student to graduate from the Minnesota State University. Yes, I was the first one to go there. The first Hmong doctoral student in the program. <laughs> That's wonderful. So tell us about your book, A Clan of Our Own, Coming Out Experiences of Gay Hmong, uh, A Gay Hmong Man. Yeah, so um, the book is writing in hope that Hmong parents and also the mainstream community better um, how to better help the in- individual who identify gay. I actually did not want to write the book at first, but then mm-hmm. I have so many requests by teachers and young uh, teenagers who very want to read the book, and they also in the process of coming out, they don't have any resources, and they say, can you put your research into a book? We would love to read it. Um, I have a young person who thought about him suicide, you know, and they say, well, I would like to get to know more resources. And I thought more and more, I think maybe it's time to put this into a book so that way other young teenagers who are still in the closet, they get some type of resource. You experienced some cultural challenges in being able to come out. I did, you know, I, um, in the last 18 years, I, you know, was questioning my own identity. I did not, you know, did not want to come out to my family because I was questioning, trying to figure out who I was. And it took me 18 years to do the research to finally accept that this is who I am. Um, if I'm going to present something in my own community, I want to make sure that I have the backup information and that I did do my homework and this is what it is. Yeah. So tell us about some of your research. So, you know, I start really early age and I graduated in Edison Senior High School in 2001 and I went to college, right? And, you know, my parents, they always want me to become a medical doctor. And then in the back of my, you know, uh, my feeling, I always have this feeling that I try to the same gender, but I did not know what it was, right? And then um, over time, I was struggle, stressed and depressed and I my parents have this high expectation on me, you know, to become a medical doctor, to get married, have kids, carry on the family. So I met many young Hmong who are gay and lesbian along the way, and they also struggle. And I thought, well, you know, why don't I dedicate my studies on LGBT Hmong and figure out their, you know, what are the identity of this minority populations, and also it will help me to find out who I am, and. I first started at uh, Southwest State in Minnesota, in Marshall, Minnesota. I uh, major in Justice Administration and Sociology. And I remember my senior year, I did a research paper on homosexual identity. 
Then after graduate there, I went on to get my master at Minnesota State University Mankato and majored in ethnic studies. And I did my master thesis on the challenge on gay mom, the challenge on gay mom in Minnesota. And I felt that they still need more research. And when I did my doctoral in the Counseling Student Personal Program, I fully focused on the experience on gay mom and what are the experience look like. And that helped me to also know who I was in the process. Um, it was a great journey, but also sad some way because I get to meet individuals who tell me stories where they were crying, um, the thing that they're going through the family, um, few of them disowned by the parents and it's sad but at the same time to have the library the east african library as the resources where i can feel safe and also the individual who come to tell the story they feel safe i have a great time getting to know their stories was there an aha moment or something that surprised you as you were doing your research yeah there, there, there were many um you know when i was in my process i thought i was the only gay mom who felt this way <laughs> right and i thought there's no other gay mom either and i was stressed i was depressed with the culture norm and then when everyone i talked to they felt they are the only one yeah. as well right and then after they told me that they are identified and now that they know there are the mom people i feel oh great um that there are many of us out there and there are also many uh, professional mom who are identified lgbt um but one thing i did find um that very common theme is that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we felt like we were the only one. And later on, we felt like, wow, there's this culture expectation of us as a monk son that we had to marry to a woman and carry on the, uh, carry on the family name. And many of them felt the same way that they don't think they want to do that. And if they were to carry on the name, they will adopt the child. Mm -hmm. So those are aha moments that, yeah, I do feel that too. You also were saying how much you appreciated the Eastside Freedom Library and the partnership. Tell me about how you came to work with the Eastside Freedom Library and and how that all developed and, and what did you do in the Eastside Freedom Library? Was it just a place of interview or was it a place also for research? Sure, sure. So I started with the Mont Archives. Um, I was with the Mont Archives for, I was asked why I could remember when I was a college student. 15 years ago um, and we were moving place to places until we met Peter and Beth and they introduced about the East Side Freedom Library and we thought this would be a good partnership where we could move the more archives there and since we moved there uh, the East Side Freedom Library being so very friendly for the uh, Hmong community members and as well students young K-12 college students or researcher and as a board who served in both you know, the Hmong archives the East Side Freedom Library while going through my research and my doctoral dissertations you know I talk to Peter and say, look, I'm doing my dissertation and I don't think it's comfortable for individuals who come meet with me in my own place or at the coffee shop. We want to keep it private and wouldn't be okay if I use the library. And they say, sure, this is a place where you can do all the research you want, be with all the books, whatever you need, just grab from the shelves. And I um, reserved the East Side Freedom Library for my interview, and I met with the individual down in the basement floor, and I talked with them, locked the door, and just interview and have a great time. But what's amazing is that after the individual person who taught me, I will walk them around the library, show them what we have collection and all the LGBT material that we collected at the East Side Freedom Library. And they were surprised. They, you know, they did not know that at the archives, we also keep record of a timeline of what happening, you know, and the Hmong history or LGBT collection that we have had. Well, we're going to talk some more about that wonderful Hmong archive in our next segment. And I'm, I'm excited to have Peter tell me a little bit more also from his perspective and the living quality of that, uh, that opportunity to have a partnership with the Hmong community and supporting the Hmong archive. And you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And we'll be right back for our third segment. And we'll get to talk to Brian some more about the work he's doing with publishing. So stay tuned. I'm John Peterson of Ferndale Market, and I'm the third generation to grow turkeys on our family farm in Cannon Falls. We've grown them the same way since 1939, free range and without antibiotics. We're proud of the way our turkey tastes naturally, so we never add fillers or basting solutions. Just 100% pure turkey. And we're proud to remain an independent family farm. 
Looking for an extra special addition to this year's Thanksgiving feast? Our fresh, never-frozen turkeys remove the hassle of thawing and can be picked up just days before your celebration. Available at natural food stores across the region. Reserve your fresh, free-range Thanksgiving turkey for pickup at our store right on our farm in scenic Cannon Falls or at one of our retail partners. For more information on finding our Ferndale Market Thanksgiving turkey near you, visit us at ferndalemarket.com. That's ferndalemarket.com. Thank you for your support of local foods and farmers. We'll hope to see you at Ferndale Market soon. ferndalemarket.com. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club is delighted to offer its spacious facilities for your private function. From weddings, retirement parties, business dinners, or any special occasion, Crooner's combines a dedicated, full-service special events team, an award-winning chef, and a beautiful lakeside ambiance to make your event a resounding success. Visit croonersloungemn.com to learn more about their private dining options, or call 763-571-9020 to get a quote for your next event today. Join Natural Awakenings Twin City Magazine as they host the Your Shining Life Expo from 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday, November 9th at the Double Tree by Hilton in Roseville. This day-long expo includes informational workshops offered by experts sharing wealth of knowledge and exhibitors offering products and services for living a healthier and happier life. Enjoy free and low-cost mini-treatments and group groove dances led by Aero Fitness. The pages of Natural Awakenings will come to life with a truly diverse subject matter and something for everyone. Drawings will be held every 15 minutes beginning at 11 a.m. for thousands of dollars worth of prizes, including books, nutritional products, gift certificates, and more. Be one of the first 100 people through the door and receive a special tote bag. Join us for this free event at 2540 North Cleveland Avenue in Roseville. Find the tools and resources to create the life you want. Visit YourShiningLifeExpo.com for more details. That's YourShiningLifeExpo.com, November 9th. This is Chad, owner of AM950. Our station has worked with Barbara from WYSIWYG Web Design for years on everything from logo to print design and especially for developing our website. She does great work and is great to work with listening to what our goals and design ideas were while offering new, innovative ideas to create the website we are proud of today. Barbara made sure she understood our station, our goals, and our mission before she started working on our site and made suggestions to help control the cost. Plus, she's friendly, which set us at ease. I recommend Barbara at WYSIWYG Web Design because I know she will deliver an attractive, professional website within the budget you have. She is a local independent business that specializes in helping other local businesses achieve their website and design goals. She can work with nearly any budget and create anything from simple sites to robust custom functionality. To find out more about the company AM950 Trust, go to WYSIWYGWebDesign.com. Spelled out just like it sounds, WYSIWYGWebDesign.com. With your AM950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for cloudy skies today with a high near 39. Tonight, cloudy with a low around 30. Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high around 44. And Monday, a chance for rain and snow with a high near 41. Don't miss the Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday only at the Maple Grove Community Center. Featuring up to 150 home improvement companies, giveaways, and more. It's the Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday at the Maple Grove Community Center. See it all at ExpoGuys.com. That's ExpoGuys.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. As you know, we love to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves and our community and the world around us that get us thinking and get us connected. And we today have been with the Eastside Freedom Library because it's the first Saturday of the month and we love going to the Eastside Freedom Library to learn about the good things that you guys are doing. And Peter Ratcliffe is the co-executive director and he is my co-host today. And I'm just delighted to be here and invite everybody to the Eastside Freedom Library. And we get an opportunity here to kind of lift the shade on the window and have people peek in and see what goes on. And having Brian Jong with us here this morning is a great way to make people more aware of, you know, that the Eastside Freedom Library is not only a place to come in and access knowledge that's on the shelves, but it's also a place to come in and participate in creating new knowledge. And and I think Brian's work doing interviewing at the library and uh, what he hasn't mentioned is also his work presenting 
um, his research to audiences and to see how many young Hmong and Hmong Americans come in um, to learn from Brian and then in turn to share their own stories, which become part of the next layer of knowledge that's being created there. So we're we're just so proud that when you come to the library and you, you come to the front door that that the sign says Eastside Freedom Library and Hmong Archives. And when you see the beautiful hand-painted sign out front, it says Eastside Freedom Library and Hmong Archives. It's such an important part of what we're doing. And you refer to it as a knowledge production, a living archive. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I think that, that knowledge is constantly growing that everyone has something to contribute. Um, we do not see knowledge production as the territory of specialists, but as something that people in communities, people through their own experiences, by reflecting on it, by engaging with other people about it, create new layers of knowledge that help us understand. And so um, just Two weeks ago, um, we hosted the Norwegian American Historical Association's annual gathering, and 50-plus Norwegian Americans crowded into the Eastside Freedom Library to hear presentations about the Hmong archives and the Khmer Legacy Museum. Uh, of Cambodians locally, and here were Norwegians who are probably (laughs) four generations, five generations, removed from the direct experience of immigration, but they're interested in how our newest neighbors are telling their own stories and documenting their experiences and encouraging people to think about what do Norwegians have in common with the Hmong, what do Norwegians have in common with Cambodians? And how and does I the, would, the immigrant spirit uh, uh, that, right. that so lives in the East Side, how does that continue from right. generation to generation? Right, but I think generation? that Brian's work also would encourage the Norwegians to consider <laughs> – were there some gay Norwegians? Yeah. Were there some lesbian? And we know there must have been. Mm-hmm. And so what were their experiences like? And especially if they fled to a new world to, for to opportunity. Find, right. You know, was was there something that um, they were fleeing from that allowed them to be right. there? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that everyone's experience holds up a mirror Mm-hmm. to everyone else's experience mm-hmm. and encourages them to see each other and to see themselves in new ways. And I think Brian's work creating the Hmong Educational Resources publishing venture is a great way for not just for Hmong readers, but for Norwegian American and Jewish American and black American readers to also both learn about the Hmong, but also ask some new questions about themselves. So tell us about your publishing work. Yeah, so I stopped publishing in 2017, the end of 2017. Um, I remember when I was a college student back in Mankato, and I helped my professors, they published textbook. And you know, I, we worked on, on the first ethnic study uh, textbook, and I, I love doing that. I love helping professors doing that. And I thought, well, if I love doing writing and publish book, there are many other Hmong students out there who love to write and publish their stories, even parents. And I decided that maybe I should use part of my paycheck and create uh-huh. a publisher space where students, teachers, they could come together and put the idea of the stories. And they always want to tell, you know, they always have stories to tell. And there are a lot of immigrant stories out there that they, they should tell. So and, the, the Brian Jung Publishing Company. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, you know, for for me is being a immigrant or a refugee student coming straight to Minnesota, my parents been through a lot. I also been through a lot. And those are great stories. And I decided I should create this space where um, all the young you know, students and teachers, they could come together and write the story and publish. So last year, 2018, and also to, in 2019, we have a teacher at Park Center, Ms. Payne, and her students, they wrote stories together and they published three books. And the first book they 
probably was called the cultural dish behind every dish is, is a story. Mm. And that is a book student writing about things that they do at home with the parent, the, their favorite food or their favorite dish in the summer when they you know, spend time with their grandma. And the following year, the, the students and the teachers, they wrote another book called Dear My Teacher. So oftentimes you have this refugee uh, immigrant student or monk student in the classroom, in, in the American classroom, and sometimes they seem pretty quiet. But beyond just the quiet students, they have so many stories to tell. They also have many things happening at home. And that book, Dear My Teacher, they want teachers to know what the monk student actually going through in their life, not just being a quiet student in the classroom, but here are some other you know, challenges or issues they are dealing with as a student with living in a refugee family or issues that their parents are going through and they want teachers to know. Kind of like what Peter was saying earlier about lifting the shade a bit so that mm-hmm. you can peek in yes. and, and get a, a sense of the slice of the life. Right. And then um, being a Minnesota student, the student wrote a poem, a book, which is a poem tree. And the title of the book is called From Mountain to 10,000 Lakes. And student tells story about their own identity. Um, what's it like to be among female students? What's it like to be among son and go to school? And what about their own identity? You know, so those are many other challenges, you know, um, story that they share with other readers. What's wonderful is getting youth to tell their story. And that's something that's really important at the East Side, isn't it? The East Side Ab- absolutely. And, you know, we're trying to connect with uh, people who are uh, organizing projects that facilitate uh, telling the stories of young people. And so we have a couple of things coming up in November. Um, there's a wonderful uh, theater group uh, that calls themselves Speaking Out. And they're using puppets and techniques from uh, the theater of the oppressed that was developed in Brazil, uh, finding ways to connect folk tales to performance. And they're going to be at the library next Saturday, November 9th, uh, in the morning with, with a play uh, that's, that's called School's No Place for Kids. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, what that title is supposed to reference, but it'll be a participatory project with kids creating a theater piece together with these wonderful uh, theater artists um, that that we're excited about having. And we're also going to be hearing from uh, a Northfield-based writer, John Kerr, um, about his book, Muhammad's Dream. Uh, John was deeply affected by the tragedy uh, on the west side of St. Paul when a cave collapsed and uh, two Somali children were killed. And uh, John decided as he became close to the families of, of these two young kids um, to tell their story and to tell their story in a way that would help generate resources that could be used for their community um, and their community back in West Africa, uh, where the where the family had come from. And so these are ways that children's stories continue to give uh, to the rest of us and to other generations of children. So the School's No Place for Kids is on November 9th, yep. and that's 10 to noon at mm-hmm. the Eastside Freedom Library. Yep. And then the Mohammed's Dream, a book and a look at difficult but hopeful piece of St. Paul history, is on Wednesday, November 13th at 7 p.m. And like everything we do, it's free and open to anyone who wants to come. And the address, in in case folks are looking for where to go. Right. For those of you out there like me who don't do GPS, (laughs) it's 1105 Greenbrier Street. Just east of Payne Avenue and just south of Maryland Avenue in the heart of St. Paul's most diverse neighborhood, the East Side. And you can also go online and you can go to the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. They've got a calendar, but they also have the address there as well. So, my friend Brian, if folks wanted to publish and they have a story that's important to them, how would they follow up with you? 
Yes, we have a Facebook page and we also have a website. So the website is pretty easy, which is www.herherprobisher.com. We also have books available there for individuals who want to uh, read those books. And I will actually won't be talking about my new book on um, on the the twenty November on the twentieth of November at the library, right? right. So it would be a great opportunity to come and get to know you. Right. hear about your book, and learn about the way that you uh, support publishing others. Yes. Terrific. And if you had um, an opportunity to get volunteers, what sort of volunteers would you like to help support you? My schedule pretty packed. Uh, <laughs> we, need, we need volunteers we'll go, at the Eastside we'll Freedom the Eastside. Library to help us catalog books and uh, help us shelve books and... Uh, help us greet guests at events, and we we like to call our volunteers collaborators, uh, and we try to give them a voice and an opportunity to help shape what happens at the library, uh, not just to fill in niches where we need help. And what's wonderful is that when you're there and you're able to support it, you're also learning about the events coming up. Absolutely. And there there's a lovely uh, set of artistic events as well as educational events, and I know that you can be the same. But um, And then there's call-to-action events. I know mm-hmm. that we're going to uh, come back to talking a little bit about the housing event in yeah. the, the next segment. So stay with us, and as we keep exploring all the wonderful things that the Eastside Freedom Library is doing, Brian Jung, thank you. Well, thank, thank you for having me. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, thank you for the message that you share and, and how you keep building the Hmong Archive. The, the living production of learning. And uh, we'll be right back after just a few short announcements. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the Eastside's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Warner Stellion's Black Friday Early Access event guarantees you'll save more on top-rated appliances before Thanksgiving. Save over 35% on select KitchenAid dishwashers, then save even more with free installation from our trusted specialists. Save up to 55% on our best-selling French door refrigerators and up to 50% on cooking products. Then relax and enjoy trusted fast-free delivery, basic installation, and haul-away. Black Friday Early Access, November 2nd through 4th, from the specialists at Warner Stellion. Hi, this is Ryan, owner of Snap Construction. It's been great working with so many of the passionate AM950 listeners over the years. We have realized how important AM950 is to the community. I want to see AM950 continue to grow and continue to thrive into the future. To help continue to grow, Snap Construction will be putting up proceeds to assist the station in marketing on social media. Snap Construction encourages you to do your part by liking and sharing the content on AM950 social media platforms. This is Chad, owner of AM950. Ryan has always told me the best time to get work done is during the cold months of the year because demand is much lower. He is backing that up again by offering 30% off labor on windows and siding from now until the end of December. Call Snap Construction now to get 30% off labor on windows and siding. As always, Snap Construction stands by their work with a lifetime craftsmanship warranty. Trust the company AM950 Trust Snap Construction, arguably the most well-reviewed roofing, siding, and window contractor in the metro area. Get a free estimate by calling 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. Financing options available. Is your business being pulled under by a tide of constant threats? Hackers, ransomware, security breaches? What if you had people who could navigate you to safe water, then teach you how to swim? Hi, Mark Sommerfeld of Rymark with a unique offer, a free security assessment. We'll uncover hidden threats, hidden costs, and hidden opportunities to help navigate your business. Call 651-328-8900 or go to rymark.com. IT.com to schedule your free security assessment. When you need legal assistance, let the Hennepin County Bar Association help you find the right attorney. They have professional, experienced referral counselors who can connect you to vetted attorneys practicing in a wide variety of areas, including employment, divorce, custody and support, bankruptcy, tax 
cases, and much more. Take the stress out of finding a lawyer. Call 612-752-6666 or search for Hennepin County Bar Association. The right call for the right lawyer. Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and my co-host today is Peter Reckliff from the Eastside Freedom Library. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Lori. Delighted to be here. I always enjoy our first Saturday of the month. Me the too. Yeah, yeah, me too. So we have had just a great conversation about housing summit coming up. Uh, Brian was just fascinating with his book and his mm-hmm. publishing, but you've got lots more events coming up this month too. Absolutely. Um, You know, we were talking in the first segment about the political discussion this afternoon. How did we get in this fix and and what does it have to do with the 50th anniversary of the term silent majority? Mm -hmm. So we're marking another 50th anniversary this month and, and in a particularly, I think, appropriate and interesting way, appropriate for the Eastside Freedom Library. And, and that is this month marks the 50th anniversary of the moment in the trial of the Chicago uh, activists in 1969 who had been accused of disrupting the Democratic National Convention in the summer of 68. And at this moment in November of 1969, 50 years ago, one of those defendants, Bobby Seale, um, a founder of the Black Panther Party, um, was ordered to be bound and gagged in the courtroom in Chicago for raising objections. And ultimately, his case was severed from that of the other defendants. And a wonderful local musician and music teacher, David Means, who recently retired uh, from teaching at Metro State, David had this phenomenal idea. He had found an LP. Some of the listeners may remember what <laughs> long, el- what playing. El- long playing record, <laughs> 33 and a third. That's right. Remember what they are. And uh-huh. he found an LP of Bobby Seale's speeches. Wow. And he has composed a piece of electronic music together with collaborators of his that will sample Bobby Seale's mm-hmm. speeches and be an homage to and an investigation of this trial in 1969, 50 years ago, which is really the other side of the coin from Richard Nixon's speech, Silent Majority, which is being discussed this afternoon at the library. So join us on Friday night, the 8th of November, for this program that David and his colleagues are calling Contempt, Mm. um, to learn about the story of Bobby Seale and the trial uh, in Chicago in the aftermath of the Democratic National Convention. So for us at the library, it's a way of using music uh, to tell stories, to engage people, uh, to invite them to learn more um, about that particular chapter in, in our nation's history. And there'll be narrators, there'll be improvisational musicians, and a chorus of witnesses to expand on the texture of it all. Yeah, and, it, and it's also going to be the, the debut of this wonderful sound system yeah. that Mike Croswell, a wonderful musician who's part of David's posse, that Mike has donated to the Eastside Freedom Library. So come and hear some really great sound quality. Fabulous. You also have uh, an interesting program coming up on the 7th that looks at the relentless relentless business of treaties. So, you know, a couple of years ago, the Minnesota Humanities Center went into a deep project in collaboration with Native American organizations to create a physical exhibit and teaching tools around the way that treaties, both their negotiation and in many cases uh, their disruption, by the U.S. authorities, have shaped the history of Minnesota and the greater Midwest. So a year ago, we were able at the library to host uh, the exhibit um, 
of uh, the treaties exhibit uh, produced by the Minnesota Humanities Center. And one of the things that they did was collaborate with a wonderful independent scholar, Marty Case, uh, who has produced this book, The Relentless Business of Treaties. And so in our collaboration, not only with the Humanities Center, but also with the Ramsey County Historical Society, we're bringing Marty to the library with his new book uh, to continue the conversation that we really began a year ago about the hidden histories of treaties and the impact of those treaties both on our Native American neighbors and predecessors and on the shaping of the communities in which in which we live today. So it's a great opportunity for us to learn um, how Minnesota came to be um, the Minnesota that that it is. How it impacted so many different segments of the community, looking at office holders, missionaries, mining, timber, transportation, bureaucrats. It, it all had – they all had their stake. Yes. And when we talk right. about stakeholders, right. that, that, I learned that, about that, stakeholders That's right, that the you. term stakeholders came from the Homestead Act mm-hmm. and people physically being given stakes and let loose – to go stake out their claim on what was somebody else's land. And and I think that many of us are now in a in a period where organizations engage in what's called a land acknowledgement statement saying well we are on land that once belonged to the Dakota people. Mm-hmm. The program that we're doing with Marty Case and the Ramsey County Historical Society on the 7th is an opportunity to go beyond just making an acknowledgement and really having a conversation about the consequences Mm -hmm. of this history. And the underlying greed that took away and did not honor. Right. Right. The the treatise, treaty that that had been developed. Right. Fascinating stuff. And then again, that's November 7th and that's from 7 to 8.30. Yep. We have some other cool things from precious knowledge to political action, continuing the struggle for ethnic studies. Right. So, you know, whether we're trying to understand the story of Bobby Seale and the Black Panthers or the story of Native American U.S. treaties, um, there's a larger framework to put all of those stories within that we could call or that academics call ethnic studies. And many Minnesotans may remember that a few years ago, there was a heated debate in the state of Arizona about to what degree should ethnic studies be part of the public school curriculum. Um, There were people who insisted that it not be, even though Arizona was once part of Mexico and and taken away by a treaty, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo in 1849. Um, So So basically they wanted to whitewash once again. Literally, literally. (laughs) And so Arizona was ground zero in the fight over ethnic studies. And one of those, the leaders in that battle, Curtis Acosta, is being brought to the Twin Cities primarily by Brian Lozensky, who teaches education studies at McAllister. And there is a film about that battle in Arizona, and we will be screening that film and having a conversation about it. And last but not least, I want us to make sure that we sing to the max. Yeah, so, you know, many of your listeners, I'm sure, are aware that every November there is something called Give to the Max Day. Um, for five years, the Eastside Freedom Library has participated, and we've been great beneficiaries of the generosity of our Minnesota neighbors. But this year, we wanted to do something different. And so we're calling it Sing to the Max. We have a bunch of performers who will be in the library from 5 to 8 on November 14th. And we invite all of you listening to come on in, join us in a couple of songs, uh, help participate in Sing to the Max. And go to eastsidefreedomlibrary.org for more information. Give to the Max, sing to the Max.